Hey, what's up, guys? Before we jump into the podcast, this is Chris. I'm just going to fill you in on a couple of things we got going on in our world that we could use some help with. We're having trouble with iTunes. For some reason, our podcast got pulled off of iTunes. If you're a subscriber, you still get the feed. Uh, but we had some error where it said that we have explicit content, but the explicit content button isn't marked. That is not true. I've disputed it, tried to resubmit the podcast, so hopefully within the next few days that issue will resolve itself. If it does not, we're going to need a lot of help from you, our loyal listeners, because we'll need to regain the momentum that we had, which, like I said, if you subscribe, you'll still get the podcast on the regular thing until I have to make a new feed for iTunes. So once we do that, you would have to re-like the podcast, resubscribe. Um, on iTunes or whatever service you get it on. So if that unfortunate event has to happen, please just help us pass the word along. I know that's preemptive and, uh, you know, it may not have, hopefully it doesn't happen. So maybe just, uh, send some vibes our way, you know? So that way it doesn't happen to us. Cause man, I think it's going to suck if we have to change it over. Um, business wise, I did a soft launch of our Patreon that we've been talking about for the longest time. I'm going to try to make all this brief up top so we don't have to do it in the middle of the podcast. Um, the Patreon, I put all the reward tiers that I could think of up. Now, I'm open to any feedback. I put things on there that I, I would like. You know, if I was being a patron to a podcast and the reward tiers, I would like. we got a lot of cool stuff there. You know, any tier you get on, you're going to get access to all the older episodes that me and buddy recorded at my house on my laptop computer the sound quality is not the greatest but we're just as gross as ever and i think it's pretty fun to go back and listen to us trying to figure out how to talk into a microphone it's loose it's funny and i think there's like 15 of them that uh, you would get instantly i'm gonna do a podcast every single week for one of the tiers um i think it just start. i think it starts at the four dollar tier it's going to be a true crime roundup, so um, if there is crimes that happen that week, I'm going to go over everything that happened that week, reporter style, of course, in my own voice, and then uh, old ones, if there's, no, if there's no crime that happens that week, which I've never had a week like that happen before in the history of the world. I mean, just this week, that serial killer in Tampa struck again, uh, there was a mass shooting, so there's always something going on. And I would like to, you know, give like a 15, 20 minute little podcast report on that exclusively for patrons. We're going to have a reward tier where Buddy will read whatever you want him to read within reason. I mean, lengthwise, you know, something that we can record easily. You can get Buddy to review a record. Uh, we got a YouTube channel up you can subscribe to. Uh, we got a tier where you can pick the song we use for the case we're doing. And we would give you credit for that. You can pick a serial killer for us to cover. You can pick a true crime for us to cover. We're into it all. And that that's what I would want out of a podcast. You know, if I could get a producer credit because I thought of something, you know, I, I get messaged all the time like, hey, you guys should cover this guy. You guys should cover that guy. Well, we will. Um, and it's not that we wouldn't do it anyway, but, you know, we, we want to make this a cohesive network. We're DIY mindset. You know, we don't have sponsors. We don't have any, we don't want to have anybody involved that can dictate the content that we want to put out. So Patreon is the best way for you to support the podcast. And the best way for us to work on more content. Uh, I set a $500 goal for now because if we're making $500 a month, I mean, we're we're in the hole on the podcast now. You know, it costs us money to drive. 
we're not trying to make any money in our personal life. We just put it all towards a podcast. And then if we have a $500 a month budget, we're going to be able to have a good website. We'll be able to have merchandise to get out to you guys. And we'll be able to uh, have more tools to make everything more cohesive within the Death Metal Dicks world. So that's what we're looking for with Patreon. And I don't want to talk about it all the time because it sounds like we're begging for money. Even though we're not, we're giving you guys awesome content. And it's, it's just it's that do-it-yourself mentality. You know, I used to buy zines when I went to punk shows, which is a handmade magazine from somebody that's just trying to get the word out about people and cover their costs. That's all we're trying to do is cover costs and make sure we have cool shit to give back to you guys for believing in us. And uh, that's what I like about Patreon. And so if you want to swing over there, it's patreon.com backslash deathmetaldicks. You can look at all those tiers. If you have any questions, any suggestions, you can add me, Christopher M. Pierce, on Facebook. Facebook Messenger is probably what I use to communicate the most. So shoot me a message and we can talk about whatever. We also have deathmetaldicks at gmail.com. You can send me an email over there and I will get back to you ASAP. But like I said, Messenger is probably the way to go. Uh, also official business wise, if you live in town, Little Rock, Arkansas, we were going to have a show on December 11th for my birthday. Uh, it kind of looks like that's fallen through the legendary band, the obsessed ended up coming to the venue we were going to use. And of course they're huge and that will sell out and make that venue a lot of money. So we lose that. (laughs) So if I can reform it at a different venue, Cool, uh, but as of right now, it's probably not going to happen. But December 2nd, fret not, we have Brandon Davidson, Tyler Elliott, some of our friends from Texas coming up to put a great show on at Vino's. We'd love to hang out with you guys, so if you want to come out that night, it'll be a good one to come out to. Decided to get all these announcements out of the way, up top on the show, so you don't have to. we don't have to disrupt the cohesive flow of our podcast once we start going. And... Uh, Again, the only reason I'm dumping all that on your ears is because we're learning as we go. It's three dudes trying to figure out how to put out a podcast, and I think we're doing a great job, and we want to keep it DIY, so support us on Patreon, tell all your friends about us, you know, message us on all of our social media accounts. I love hearing from you guys. I'm, I'm feeling kind of under the weather today, and I got three different fans send me a message about a particular episode they listen to or how they like the show. And that made me feel a lot better, so keep that coming. And uh, One of them in particular sent me a message, and uh, he had a special request for me to show my breasts. Well, looks like you're doing it. His name is Corey Nicholson, and he is out of Milwaukee, and he loves the show, and I'm real glad about it. And so, Corey, I'm going to spread this fucking battle vest. To show you this chest. And that is, uh, you know, we really do give out what our fans want. If you're tuned into YouTube, you can see Buddy's fucking giant honkers. Um, all right, guys. Well, that's it for the announcements. We can begin the show. So without further ado, welcome to Death Metal Dudes. We're back again, and how sweet it is. Last week, we talked about the Robin Hood Hills murders. 
more infamously known as the West Memphis Three. And if you grew up listening to extreme music, it's a case that you just could not get away from because it could have been you, it could have been me, it could have been anybody that was outside of the norm. If you wore black, if you wore Metallica shirts, if you wore Slayer shirts, if you were every grandparent's worst fear and they thought you were gay with the devil... You could have been Damian Eccles. So we decided to cover this topic because it's close to our home and it really is baffling how stupid people in the region are. We started talking about the West Memphis 3 case and uh, last week, what did we do? We dove into the particulars of the case. We got into all the murders. We looked at the what would be known as the West Memphis 3, which is Damian, Jesse, Miss Kelly... And uh, Jason Baldwin. Baldwin. Uh, we got familiar with their lives. You know, they're just three teenagers. And, and, you know, the problem is in that town is that Damien Eccles, he was an 18-year-old kid. No one else was like him there. Yeah. He was an original. And the internet wasn't around then. So he didn't get on. There was no frame of reference. Couldn't show anybody that other people in the world were doing the exact same thing. Yeah. He was just that guy. He was like a goth kid with a bowl cut and a trench coat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had the same haircut that I have, pretty much. Yeah, but it's more bold. Well, he bowls it for the trial. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, like, shortens it up. Then They want to make him a particular way. So last week, you know, we walked you through all the murders. This week, I wanted to go through the particulars of the court case because it's fascinating to me. You know, I'm not... That entrenched in the legal system. Most of the things I know about legality do come from a life submerged in true crime. You know, I've listened to a lot of courtroom chatter, uh, you know, listening to Richard Ramirez's trial, listening to the BTK trial. Um, And those are always interesting because I want, you know, it's just one of the more fascinating human elements when you can hear someone that's taken the life of a lot of people explain how they did it. They have to explain what was going through their head so they can try to get leniency or try to help the judge and jury understand what place they were in before they get sentenced. I've always, I don't know if I've enjoyed, but it's always been fascinating to hear the details from the horse's mouth. So I got a lot of legal experience by way, I mean, not a lot of legal experience, a lot of ear for courtroom jargon and how trials kind of go just from listening to different trials. Used to Audible used to offer a thing where they just had full trials on on tape, which was awesome back in the day. Really? Yeah, it, like before MP3 players, like the first iPod I had, I had uh, had the BTK trial and the Jonestown noises on the on the iPod. Wow! That I got from Audible, but before that, you could like get the files and you had to burn them onto CDs. You have like a Discman. Like audiobooks, and it would take like four CDs to put one on there. Um, yeah, I mean, just rolling through true crime books. So, if you can, um, you know, most of most of what I have now is based on uh, the three Paradise Lost movies. They do they show a lot of courtroom footage. Obviously, with those, I mean, you just got to be upfront. They're edited with a bias. It's yeah. not all of the compiled material. And each one of those three kind of takes a different leaning towards another way it could have gone. The first one's pretty like, you know, they start to put their eyes on one particular suspect. 
and the, the courtroom footage they show, they showed a, they do a good job showing the absurdity of how the prosecution framed the case to uh, come down on these three guys. You know, yeah. Um, if anything, it, it does like yeah, it might be like biased about like who did what, but it definitely shows so many different angles of how those three boys did not do it. You know, yeah, yeah, and I mean it's a point that I have later on. Watching the trial, there's a there's a part in that documentary where they they're talking to the prosecution, and the prosecutors are like, "I can't believe the defense tried to blame the Bojangles guy," which we talked about last yeah. week. There was that black dude who ran in the Bojangles, covered in mud, covered in blood, made a big mess in the bathroom, and left. And they called the cops, and the cops just totally blew the whole thing. They didn't investigate it until later the next day. Yeah, like they the lost fucking, evidence from it. The fucking it was like a lady cop. She fucking pulled through the drive-through and didn't even get out of the car. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they just totally boned the whole operation. Top and Drew. We talked about that drug dealer that had just instantaneously moved away to California. I mean, my theory does not involve those two. No. And I think anyone that's watched the last Paradise Lost movie is, I'm sure, on the same page that we are. Yeah. And we'll be talking about how we feel about it next week. I thought we could cram this into two, but it ended up being quite a bit longer than I thought. Because as I went back and watched trial footage, it's just... This is what I want to hit on this episode, is that the way that... I don't, I mean, not necessarily the legal system in America, but just the way that things are set up in the world. It makes me extremely paranoid, you know, because... Just how they decided. I mean, this whole town just decided that Damien Eccles had to be a murderer. I mean, they took Damien Eccles, who was 18 years old. He was basically the smartest person in the trailer park community of West Memphis. And they paint him as some sort of satanic cult leader. You know, last week we introduced him and the other two guys. And so we had Jesse Miss Kelly. Um, He told police that... Like, basically, I think I told everyone last week that he can't connect the pain to, to the, the brain. brain. He's not exactly a smart tool. And you guys are going to have to excuse me for this, but I'm starting to feel sick. I took a bunch of DayQuil. Yeah, I mean, you're fucking wearing a jogger suit. Yeah. It's just a jacket, man. <laughs> what was up with That's the pants? Jeans. Those are jeans. Those are jeans? Yeah, man. I just don't wash them. So I thought you were black. fucking going 1995 Adidas <laughs> fucking jumpsuit on me. I wish, dude. Oh, yeah, that'd be dope. Um, Yeah, so... Just trying to get my bearings, man. I'm all day quilled out. When, when, you know, once that hits you, you just get kind of like, I don't feel stoned or anything. Just kind of floaty. Floaty? Floaty Cody. Oh, God. Oh, floaty Cody, man. I wonder what he's <laughs> up to. Oh, man. Who knows? Uh, hopefully, peyote. We, uh, yeah, man. Fucking brain. You, you, last week, you know, we framed the whole thing. You understand who the main players are, and I'm just saying that because if you haven't listened to it, you got to go back and hear it because if I double down and say the same things, we'll be here for forever. And where I'm going to start off at is the Jesse Miskelly confession. You know, they took him. The police set him down. They interrogated him for 19 hours. And the first story he told police is that he had a wrestling match in a nearby town. Yeah. That's the truth. That's undeniable the school has confirmed from the top that he wrestled against a different school in a smaller town in arkansas and on top of that dude it's just it's fucking evidence period if there is any extracurricular activity that a school offers for mentally handicapped people it is wrestling wrestling 
Taekwondo. <laughs> Taekwondo at a school. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> no, no, no. It's an after school program. Taekwondo is. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the school confirmed. They had a match there that day. He wrestled in the match. They keep record of that sort of thing. There's a scorebook that shows that season that he wrestled in that match. So from the jump street, I mean, that that that's the pillar that the entire case was built upon. Even I know as a, as a non-attorney that before they even did the match, they had applesauce. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And cinnamon graham crackers. Yeah, yeah. What which, do you think it was graham crackers or Teddy Grahams? Graham crackers. Do you think they let the Teddy Grahams swim in the applesauce? No, it's a it's a fucking Kroger brand cinnamon graham crackers. Yeah, and, yeah. and what they did was yeah. like, hey, it'd be real funny for uh, him to open up these here graham cracker <laughs> because they're so goddamn hard to open. Yeah, what's uh, why do Phoebes love applesauce? Because they don't have to chew. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Jesus almighty. Uh, but yeah, so evidence step number one. Now, they are hell-bent on coercing him into giving this confessional. And the reason why is because in West Memphis at this time, the the number one cop in town, this guy, Gary Gitchell, he's a senior investigator. He's like the number one detective in town. Now, once the murders happened, they didn't really have a solid line on what the suspects were. You remember last week we told you about the Bajangles guy. We told you about the drug dealer who skipped town and went to California. They interrogated him through the California police. They couldn't prove anything. And they also botched the evidence in that. They didn't test what he sent. Remember that? Yeah. And so those are two viable suspects, but that didn't come out in the media. And then this is a small community. We already established how easy it is to talk people in West Memphis into anything. There's no internet, so there's no way to verify facts. Word just travels through the community like wildfire. So anyone can make up anything, and then that is given merit by the police because they're willing to confirm it so long as they look good. And the public outcry for these killers not being caught is really all the town cares about. You know, the school is mad because instead of the kids walking home from school, the parents are clogging up the school's parking lot and driveway, picking up their kids every day. I mean, the school legitimately complained to police to solve the crime because... When school got out and was in session, there was too many parents around. Like, how absurd is that? You know, let the police... And the police are just fucking stupid. You can't let the police do their job in this case because this has got to be the worst police force in America. You know, again, if you watch the trial, there's so many things that the defense asked the police officer, okay, well, what about this? And the guy has to be like, well... You know, that's my bad. <laughs> like, I, I lost yeah. the evidence. I didn't then, write it down. I didn't this, record the facts correctly. This is at the height of satanic panic. This is, yeah. This is like. No, yeah, it's the epicenter, and the town's already been like that. And, you know, Damien, he's not at fault for this at all, but they've been spray painting Slayer and pentagrams and shit around, which is freaking people out, which is why you do stuff like that. But it got into such a hysteria because there's nothing to do man i mean i'm gonna assume 80 percent of the population in west memphis is just sitting around watching geraldo and oprah and a current affair and unsolved mysteries all fucking day long so they don't have 
the wherewithal to separate that it could possibly be dramatization to sell TV shows. They just foolhardily believe it, and they're immersed in that culture. I mean, I don't know how you guys grew up, but if you grew up poor at all, and you knew a family that's mom did not work, they just sat at home all day, their kids went to school, man, they were swept up in any sort of television program that would take their mind off of what they had going on. You know, again, your Oprah's, your Donahue's, your Geraldo's. That is what drove that generation of poor people. I guess it sounds bad to say. Um, I mean, I consider myself a poor person my whole life, but uh, it just sucks your mind in. You get absolutely taken over by television, and especially in that age of information, because I know I keep saying it, but again... This is where you're taking your absolute news from. You can't Google yeah. the wrong from right. So if Geraldo comes out and says that this is a satanic cult, they've been sacrificing humans, there's no way to fact check that. You're just in your trailer, eating Cheetos, huffing the dust, smelling lead paint and propane all day, and it's taking your brain away. And it's also the height of fucking when everybody's like... Hey, you ever had a blowjob with Pop Rocks before? And you're like, all right, cool. And then you're just like you're stuck in a cock-sucking hailstorm. Because, I mean, it's like it's like whenever hail hits your windshield. Have you had your dick sucked with Pop Rocks? Yeah. When? I mean, I don't want to go in detail. It's pretty good. <laughs> and I've never done it. Have you had your dick sucked with ice cubes? Yeah. It sucks. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's cold as fuck. I mean, it sucks, like. Literally, but in figuratively, it's not fun. Nah, dude. Your dick wants to go, hey, get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't feel good at all. That's a weird thing. Who started that stupid shit? And eating fucking box with an ice cube in your mouth, too. No one would want. It's cold. Cold. That type of cold doesn't feel good, man. Well, unless you're Eskimo. But, dude, I mean, fucking uh, Pop Rocks feels great. That's pretty yeah. it's sloppy. I don't know. Yeah, that's what you it like. It feels like that's if, what I like. That's what it feels like likes. a real extravagant fucking session with somebody shooting you with fucking BB guns, but like not painful. All day today, I don't know why I had stuck in my head I was coming up with songs for Smelly Puss because I'm into it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. it was I was doing like uh, that's amore, so I was like uh, <laughs> when the smell from your poon draws in horny raccoons, that's amore. <laughs> 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 Just stupid shit like that all day, man. When I start to get sick, dude. My fucking ADHD really will take me somewhere. And it says smelly box all day. <laughs> smelly box all fucking day. I love it, man. But anyway, this police force is under scrutiny. And the man, this guy, Gary Gitchell, the main investigator, I mean, he's one of the highest paid officials in West Memphis. And it's a small town, you know. West Memphis is like 20,000 people. But the particular area that they're in is the impoverished white area of town. And he is beholden to getting this done. He's also been in the force for 20 years. He says several times in various interviews that he hopes this is his last case. He's trying to retire. And cops fall into this shit all the time where they want to go out on a good note. So if you get some older dude, I mean, they either fall victim to trying to go out on a powerful thing or they try to get promoted and shit like that by way of breaking the case and being the fucking big dog. It's it's crazy that police force works like that. Like, you reward cops for solving crimes at a grand scale. I mean, that corrupts it from the jump because they're going to work harder to solve things that may not be 
the absolute truth. You know what I'm saying? And then you work hard. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, he doesn't work hard. He just dicks off the whole time. He comes up with a conclusion and then he runs with it and they go so fucking far out of their way to, uh, make it be the way they want it to be. And the way that they decide to make it is the most outrageous thing of all. So we understand where the community's coming from, and so now you can see why they would fall into immediately accepting this theory. Because if you try to pull the shit out of your ass today, it wouldn't fly. No. You know? I mean, it, it like, I can't even imagine the outrage you would get today if we try to pull... Because immediately what they said... I mean, that, the day that they decided to arrest these kids. And... um. I I really looked into the whole what happened exactly is that they they have had been exhausting their resources as far as looking at adults criminals that were in the area that had this type of MO which isn't a common thing you know we're talking about the 90s um and what they're looking for are people who do rituals and shit so uh Gitchell calls the uh youth detention center and asks for a list of people that he thinks would have involvement in something like this. And the dude that gave him the list says it's one of the biggest mistakes he ever made. He gave him the list with Damien Eccles, and a lot of people had already said Damien Eccles' name. And the only reason they had said his name is because he was the weird kid. Yeah. And the people saying his names are kids. You know, he was that kid in school. No one liked him. He was friends with uh, Jason, you know, and that's pretty much it. And he had a girlfriend, but he didn't hang out with a lot of people. He was shunned. And so he got caught up in some witch hunt shit just based upon, again, liking Slayer. <laughs> Pretty much because he's fucking intelligent. Yeah, he was smart, man. He was definitely the smartest kid in the trailer park. Uh, he would do things. I mean, I would do shit like this all the time. Uh, as soon as he got arrested, the news ran a story where they had the preacher of one of the churches in town say, Oh, Damien came to church here one time and he, and so Damien had been a Catholic and he broke away from that and he was on his like religious quest, which is the type of goofy shit you do when you're 16, 17 years old, especially if you're involved in religion. Just trying to figure out your place in life. Exactly. Because you're a teenager and you want to fuck. And that's basically, you know, what's going on. Youth groups are where the hottest poon lies. And we all know it. Yeah, man. When you're that age, the church, that's just where all the kids are congregated at. You can get away from your parents for a little bit. Are you pulling? Are you doing a little up down with your fucking ring finger and middle finger up on a girl's pussy and fucking letting her squirt holy water on you? Ooh, when I say holy, I mean holy. But you know, Damien's out there searching, and he goes to uh, this church, and so when he goes to the church, he talks to this youth minister, and again, you know. No internet, so you can't troll people online. No. You got to do it in real life. Yeah, And you got to have the nuts to do it. And I was definitely this type of kid. And he didn't want to uh, talk to this motherfucker. That's the whole thing. And th- it was an easy defense to tell people. I mean, like two years ago when we were living in Benton, there was that church right behind us, remember? And yeah. I would play, like, metal every Wednesday when they congregated. There would be people, like, outside and shit behind my house, and I would just blast fucking black metal at them. <laughs> and so one day these ladies came over at like eight in the morning and you know, I got kids. It's like on Saturday. We're just getting, we're just like waking up. So I answered the door with my shirt off and was like, yes. 
And she was like, hey, we just wanted to know, do you guys belong to a church? And I was like, no, nah, we're all Satanists. And she looks at my kids and me and she goes, all of you? And I go, all of us. And she just goes, <laughs> okay, thanks. And fucking walked off. Um, and that's just all he did. You know, he told this dude, he told this youth minister that his, and this is all also allegedly, it may have not even happened because there's so many stories. I'll get into that more in the court case. But they just allow total bullshit to come up. And, the, and the, the news in the area is just as much to blame for anything else but for the sensational stories they put out just to get extra ratings. Have you no shame? I mean, it's three dead kids, and they run the story where a youth minister told a pastor that Damien told him, so we're three parties away from the truth, that his soul belongs to the devil. He can't be saved. Which is a sin, and your fucking religion to lie. Yeah. And you're a fucking asshole. You're playing telephone. You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> at, you're going to get some minimum. You're going to get some kids sent away because yeah. you're a fucking asshole because they don't believe in what you believe. And in. just Fuck that. And shit. we get advertising for his church too, man. They plastered that church all over the place when they did that. You know, they came to the church, interviewed people there. And uh, he told the youth minister, the youth minister tried to get him to take a Bible because he was like, oh, you're well read. You're smart. Take this Bible and, you know, find the truth. Out. And he's like, oh, I can't accept the Bible. And so they made that Probably because into, they already fucking read it and was like, this is dumb. Yeah. You're fucking dumb. I'm not coming back. Yeah, <laughs> they know? just didn't want to deal with it, man. And so that turned into so much fuel for that. And then that's the day he got arrested. So everyone in town's freaking out. And then they have the interview with uh, Christopher Byers' mom where she's like, I didn't know there were Satanists in our town. I didn't know anything about the devil in West Memphis. But here there's a whole coven of Satanists, and I'm only finding out about him because they sacrificed my son to him. And then you have his stepdad, who's a total phoebe. He's oh. gone. He's got a brain tumor, and he's dumb as fuck. That old boy looks like a shoehorn, man. <laughs> yeah, man. He's got that he's got that lump head. Yeah. Like you got like a big head, but then you have like it looks like a, a chestnut in the middle of your head and it's like two lumps. He looks like somebody that would work at shoe carnival. Yeah. So he's like, Hey, Spoon are you wheel. you're having trouble getting that shoe on? And he just pops his old fucking forehead <laughs> right in the fucking head. Let me slip that old boy in for you. Dude, one of our friends just told me the funniest story about shoe carnival one time. So you know how shoe carnival's got that wheel you spin? Yeah. And, like, you spin it, and it lands on some shit, and you get a deal. Well, he was stealing shoes, and they knew it, but they couldn't, like, confront him about it. So they're like, uh, all right, we're having a contest. Whoever's got the biggest bag in the store can come up and get a free spin on the wheel. And he said he just walked the fuck out. <laughs> That's a funny way to try to catch someone stealing fucking shoes, though, man. It's hilarious. You just got to go to the shoes that you don't sell, Skechers. Yeah. And you know that that's what's not going to sell. And don't fucking worry about it. No one nobody, cares if you steal Skechers. Nobody's, nobody's doing that. <laughs> I'm stealing some shape-ups. Uh, have them. I bet shape-ups. Dude, I bet shape-ups probably bring some money online right now. That's a rare shoe, man. Yeah, man. Build your calves. Yeah, they bugging. got sued over that stupid shit. They lied. Like, these people all lied in West Memphis. If Skechers has got to be responsible for the content of their advertising, why does West Memphis not have to be responsible for sending these fucking kids away for so long? And then um, the pastor interview was just absolutely ridiculous. If you watch it now, you'll get so mad. And again, you can you could never get away with that this day and age. It's only in the early 90s that you can allow a news channel to turn into some 
William Shatner, Geraldo Rivera, fake reporting, dog dick garbage, and get away with it. I can just, I, you know, watching it, thinking I'm getting mad thinking about it again. It makes me so upset. Um, the pastor um, is interviewed five or six more times. He's even brought in for the trial. I just, you know, and it's an impoverished small town. And people believe in God so much, which is so weird when you're in circumstances like that. Like, why do people with the worst lives cling to Christianity so hard? It's like lottery, I guess. It's, it's hope. just the hope. Yeah, it's the hope that you'll have a better life at some point. But with Christianity, it's when you die. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. like, that's what you're going to hang in Boy, for. Boy, that sure sucks. I know you're out here eating really bad hot water cornbread. <laughs> And you're digging up some tree roots, and you're like, man, I could season these like collard greens. And I got this here jiffy, and I'm going to make this cornbread, and I'm going to eat these No, no, roots. hold on, Mama. Hold on, Mama. Now, you save that cornbread because it's our favorite holiday. Sonic's got them 50 cents corn dogs once again. We can get two each. All right, I don't want to break the bank. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, uh, shout out to my friend Jeremiah. He said the funniest fucking thing about corn dogs today. Because <laughs> uh, Sonic's having like 50 cent grilled cheese. Day tomorrow, plug for Sonic, the uh, official sponsor of Death Metal Dicks. Uh, we were talking about, I was like, yeah, I fucked up my diet bad on Halloween. Like, I just ate everything. And they had the 50 cents corn dogs. I was like, I ate four of them. And he was like, yeah, I mean, they have more calories than anything. And it's like chewing on air. And it's so true, dude. Like they just like a true. crunchy cloud, man. Yeah, you man. just chomp right through those motherfuckers. Um, oh, man. But yeah, they're, they're, they're just gullible, man. And it sucks. Because police started rumors, like it was confirmed that police told um, Byers, uh, John Byers, that they found Christopher Byers' testicles in Damien's room with Damien's fingerprints on. The cops told him that shit for I like who knows why. And he's so stupid and so loud. He goes throughout the whole town telling everybody, "Oh, they found the evidence," and they still had the trial there. And what's weird. Uh, is that they, they do Jesse's trial in a different town because Jesse came forward and confessed. Basically, they already gave him the reward for playing ball. I mean, they just railroaded this kid. He's dumber than shit, and they couldn't take da- they couldn't trick Damien like that. Yeah. And so they took the stupidest fucking one and pimped him out and set him down and, again, interrogated him for 19 hours. They did all types of illegal shit in that interrogation. I mean, everything that they do is just a lead-in question. They tell him what happened. There's no information in that interview that wasn't in news stories. What's fucking stupid is, like, what was it, a 12-hour, 16-hour fucking interview? They only record 40 minutes of it, and it's like after yeah. they've gone over everything and just beat well, it yeah, into Well, yeah, they iron him. it out. They iron the whole they, thing out. They, they beat they, it into they're telling him... him Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. They, they beat it into him, and then they hit record. Yeah, I mean, they're telling him, like, the only way that you're going to get out of here is if you agree to all this shit. So you're not going to – if you're dumb and your mind is wandering and you got to get to the point of leaving, you know, you want to get out of the room, so you just sit there, and when they give you the option to leave finally after 12 hours, and they've been telling you the same things over and over again, and they're also telling him, like, you're not going to get in trouble because what his confession is is that Damien uh, and Jason, mostly Damien, like, killed the kids. Damien mutilated them. Damien raped 
one of them. Oh, you got to correct it. He didn't say rape. He said screwed. <laughs> he screwed him. He screwed him. <laughs> yeah, he said yeah, screwed but, a lot in that thing. I but, love it, man. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> screwing. But anyway, and he, he says that he didn't hurt anybody. Just one of the kids tried to leave, and he grabbed the kid and brought him back. Uh, and the, you know, it's, it's disgusting the way that they coerce that. But somehow, you know, in any good courtroom, any regular courtroom, Outside of West Memphis, Arkansas, they wouldn't have even allowed that to come through the door. I mean, a prosecutor wouldn't put charges on somebody based on that because it's obvious all dog shit, you know? And uh, the same day that they arrest Damien, they sit that Gary uh, Gary Glitchell down and they interview him. He's doing a press conference to announce that they caught the killers. And they go, on a scale of 1 to 10... How confident are you that you just caught the killers? Eleven. And the entire press pool applauds. Yeah. What the fuck? And they're only happy because they're going to get more ratings. Because they have this satanic cult that they can beat up your ears about for four hours a day, every single day. And the only evidence they had against Miss Kelly was his confession. Which is entirely illegal, once again. But they still bring him to trial. They prosecute him in a different town because they know it won't be fair for him in West Memphis. Even though they still have Damien and Jason's trial in West Memphis. Because he confessed they thought it was going to be too many people that knew the case. So they go like an hour away (laughs) to a different small town in Arkansas. A smaller town in Arkansas. Was that like Corning? It was Corning. Corning. Yeah, Yeah. Corning, Arkansas. Dude, okay. Man, if you're a fucking Mongo Phoebe and you're listening to this, do not talk to the cops. Immediately request a goddamn lawyer. No matter what. If you didn't do anything, if you did do anything, if they just took your applesauce and you're pissed off about it, you need to get a lawyer right away. They'll appoint you. I'm not talking to nobody until I get me a goddamn lawyer. Give me my applesauce back, Todd. That's it. Yeah, and so when Jesse goes in for his trial, the entire trial is essentially a quarter of the time that it is for the other two's trial. Um, All it is is they are playing his confessional, and then the defense doesn't do that great of a job of trying to deconstruct the prosecution's case, which is entirely based on his confessional. You know, the defense brings in... One of the nation's leading experts on coercion of confessions. And the guy comes in. He explains to a T everything with the tape that's wrong. How, I mean, the the most glaring thing that I can think of right off top is that, you know, they are telling him what happened. And he's just saying yes. And they, they give him a, they ask him what time. And he says, oh, I don't know, like noon. And they're like, noon in the middle of the day, weren't you in school? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, well, w- wasn't it later? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, well, what time do you think? And so he's like, three. And then they skip over it because they know they can't just keep asking him the same question over and over again. They go on to something else. And then there's a cop's trying to be crafty. And he's like, hey, didn't you say it happened around sundown? And he's like, yeah, like five o'clock. And he's like, yeah, um, okay. And then they go on to something else, and then he brings it up like 15 minutes later. Hey, didn't you say it was when the sun was going down? What time does the sun go down? And he's like, like 7 o'clock. And he's like, so you think it happened at like 7 o'clock? 
And then Jesse's like, yeah, it was probably around sundown at seven o'clock. And the, the guy is like, you, do you not see this? You like, look at this. He's saying noon, then three, because they led him to that. Then five, because they led him to that. Then seven, because they led it to that. And they did that with every single thing here. Just like I said, there's no new evidence that he's told the police that wasn't in the papers. And that usually we've learned from the serial killers that we've covered that were even farther back than what this case was, that police leave out important information. So when they interview people, if they can catch them saying some details that isn't in the media, that's how they narrow suspects down. You know, like Richard Ramirez, they would always leave out a couple things. So if they picked up a suspect, they would let them talk about what they knew about the murder. And if they were like, oh, he came a pentagram on the bottom part of her tit flap, then they'd be like, well, how do you know that specific information? And they'd be like, it was in the paper. And then the cops would be like, it wasn't in the paper. We set you up with that fucker. Yeah. And they didn't have any new information. Everything that he said was only shit that he had heard. And it wasn't even cohesive to what had been heard. They just led him, and he agreed. So they kept having to weave the story. And God knows that they had just sat there for 19 hours and done that. And anyone would want to get out of that. And if you, I mean, they've got that uh, documentary, Making a Murderer. I mean, all these things that now have blown out that style of policing. And what's similar about that is it's just some small town white trash bullshit again. Yeah. It's the easiest way to get away with that stuff is just to take simple-minded country folk and try to talk them into some dumb shit, you know? Um, I don't know why I got lost of that. But, yeah, so that first trial, they go through that. And what I hate, I hate this prosecutor so much because the expert, I mean, again, one of the foremost experts on this, this country boy-ass lawyer comes in like a used car salesman and is like, let, let me ask you this. How much do you get paid per hour? And the guy's like, well, I get paid $300 initial consultation fee if I take the case. And then if I take it, it's like 300 bucks an hour. And then the attorney goes, well, huh. So in order for you to get that $300 an hour, you'd have to agree with what they're saying to come and get that money, right? Which is completely wrong. I mean, that guy is an attorney. You can't just go along with something to get paid. That ain't how it works. One. Two, he would have been getting paid more money by just staying home and doing his normal shit. So he took that case because he, I mean, as his duty as a lawyer, when you see information like that, you take an oath that you have to work with the legal system you know you, you know it's wrong you got to go and take care of that so it was all an inconvenience for him and before he can explain that the guy's like okay so what you're saying is you're getting paid and but you didn't look at the facts that there's three dead boys here and you got these satan worshipers i don't know how they do things in berkeley california oh. but down here in west memphis and then, you know you're talking to 12 ding-dongs in corning arkansas that's the jury. So, again, if you can imagine a town smaller than West Memphis with a Piggly Wiggly in it, it's probably where they all work. The Piggly Wiggly probably had to close down for the week because all the employees were the jurors. Yeah. 
<sighs> it's, a, it's fucking dumb. It's the dumbest fucking case ever in the history of fucking anything. It's the dumbest shit. It's frustrating. And that's why the documentaries came out so good. And I'm happy that they came out because you don't know... I mean, if you don't come from this type of environment, you don't know that these things can happen. I mean, it, you may you made a valid point just then. I mean, even like later on in like the, there's I think there's three or four documentaries. They interview the judge, and he's like basically says, if I had a if I would have just said, hey, I would rather not be any filming, then we would have just not had this issue before. Basically yeah. saying like, hey, if you would have documented this, we would have just had these motherfuckers sent away and they would be put to death and we would just, you know, whatever. Everyone, so stupid. everyone that was like on the prosecution side says that same shit. It's fucking the prosecutor says it, the investigators say it, all the cops say it. Like, well, the problem was created by HBO. No, man, you just had been doing this shit for so long and you don't understand how media works. That somebody finally came in and got a glimpse of how backwoods, southern, or not even southern, just poverty works. That's really the issue to me is an impoverished area. You have the you know, highest 1%, which is going to be everybody involved with the legal system. And then you have everyone else who don't have anything. Yeah. And so they don't give a shit about anyone but them. They've got their social circle and then you have everyone else. And if you're in that everyone else and you get caught up in something, you're automatically gone against, you know, you don't matter. And if you did do something wrong and you're part of the rich brigade, you often don't get in trouble for it. You know, and that's how that good old boy network shit works. And then that's still alive and well today. You know, if you're connected in a, in a uh, uh, poor southern town, you fucking run over a baby while you're drunk. You're going to get away with it. I mean, we, in Hot Springs just last year, we had a, a the what was it, the mayor? The judge. The, a judge, yeah, circuit judge. For children. For children left his kid in a car, and the kid died from heat exhaustion. Why he's in there fucking for in the middle of a fucking uh, he's having an affair? Yeah, then the whole thing got blown wide open because his excuse was like, "Oh, my brain just got all messed up because I had this important case and I was rushing off to do it and all this happened." But it turned out he was fucking somebody on the side from his wife, and he just wanted to come, so he couldn't. He had to lie to his wife and keep the baby with him, and he left the baby in the car and then fucked for too long, and then it slipped his mind and the fucking baby died and he just got away with it. It's crazy, and it just it, the you know the, it's hard to believe the cycle continues. But that's a legend. That's not a legend at but, all. No, that's no, it's all a legend. <laughs> well, he got away with it. It's all a legend. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, um, and, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just that's what is good about Paradise Lost is because you, they're you know it's, it's so, like lightning just struck you, to get a glimpse of this type of shit. It's priceless, and I'm glad the documentary came out. I'm glad that we could talk about it. I'm glad that people can know these type of things happen in the world. Um, so they uh, immediately convict Jesse of second-degree murder. He loses the case handily. And now the prosecution is trying to offer Jesse a deal to testify against Damien and Jason, who are going to be tried at the same time back in West Memphis. And Jesse refuses it, which good on him because he, I mean, I'm sure the way that Damien and Jason felt or why 
did this dude, I mean, they're not good friends with him, which is how they frame it, too. They try to make it sound like uh, Damien's like this Charles Manson-type character. Yeah. He's got a satanic cult, a coven that's following him around, and this is one of the members, but he's not even really friends with him. He's just like the slow kid in the neighborhood. And <laughs> Damien's just not mean to him, you know? He's like one of the few people that doesn't treat this kid like garbage. So, by proxy, they all got lumped in that circle of friends together, even though they're not really friends. And so I'm sure they're mad at him <clears throat> for rolling on them. But, you know, I'm sure as time went on and through their glimpse of the legal system, they see that, you know, Jesse didn't really have any options. I mean, yeah. he did, but he he just in the moment, the way his brain worked, the he's way he scared, got caught up. He's scared. He's a feeb. He's <laughs> yeah. fucking terrified feeb, of everything. Feeb, 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 Um. Yeah, man. If you're a fucking feeb, like I said again, if you listen to this, get a lawyer. Dude, <laughs> and, and just don't so fucking feeb out on your friends. Now the trial of century is taking place. You know, you got these two kids that are uh, the the main problem. You know, Damien Eccles at this point in America is the devil. He may as well be the actual personification of Satan yeah. because of the way they've painted him in the media already. Everything's come out. They're going to put him on trial. And they do. They bring all the court in, and it's embarrassing on all accounts. I mean, the defense doesn't do that great. The prosecution brings in some of the craziest evidence, the craziest witnesses, and they blow the case like three or four times. Again, you know, I'm no expert, I'm no lawyer, but just from listening to trials, like if this would have happened in any other major case in a normal city, it would have gotten thrown out right away. Yeah. I mean, they bring in this dude. He's an Nicole expert. He's Dr. Dale Griffiths. He's not a doctor. You know, he's the prosecution's witness. They bring him out first, and he's one of their biggest witnesses because he's an occult expert. They, I mean, his credibility, he's just doing some scammy church bullshit. He's like a preacher, and he knows all the ins and outs of how the occult works. And he's telling them about Wicca and witchcraft and white witches and black witches, and it's all total bullshit. He has no idea what he's talking about. He doesn't know what Satanism is. He doesn't even know who Anton LaVey is. He doesn't understand that Satanism is just uh, gimmicky atheism, you know? He doesn't have any clue. He is really of the mind that people are literally worshiping the devil and making sacrifices to them. And he's actually probably not literally of that mind. He's just been scamming people. Scamming, scamming, scamming. Going to churches, doing exorcisms, that type of shit. Dude, that type of Bob Larson. He got he somehow got like a he's basically like uh he got his doctorate. I'm getting the to internet, internet, right? get into it. Yeah, so okay. no, there wasn't even the internet then, brother. So he does this whole testimony and they're like the prosecution is like, Do you think that this murder had something to do with the cult? Yes. How sure are you? I'm a thousand percent sure. This is a sacrifice. This is a Wiccan and satanic ritual. And then the defense comes up and he's like, this is all he asked him. And it's perfect. This is probably the best thing the defense did the whole time. They go, okay, Dale, um, where did you go to school at? And the dude starts shaking. He's like, school? He's like, yeah, where'd you go to school at? He tells him the school. And the dude's got a pamphlet for the school. And he's like, is this the school? Do you remember filling out a pamphlet like this to go to school? And he's like, no. He's like, okay, well... Did you go to a mail order school? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, because this pamphlet is from your college. And it says, earn your master's degree in as little as six weeks. And how many classes did you take between 1988 and 1990 to earn your master's degree? 
And the guy goes, classes, I already told you. And the defense goes, no, tell me. I want to know now. How many classes did you take between between 1988 and 1990 to earn your master's degree? None. Okay, you took no classes. You didn't take a class. No. Okay, how many classes did you take between 1990 and 1992 to earn your doctorate degree? None. Okay, so you never took a class to earn your master's degree. You never took a class to earn your doctorate degree. You just did this mail order thing, and they just sent you papers. And the guy goes, well, uh, he says, no, no, no. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, and do you, in your expert opinion, do you believe that this crime is tied to the occult? And the guy goes, yes. And that's all you got to ask him. But the town is so stupid they choose to reject that part of it you know literally like the show squidbillies (laughs) yeah or gummo you know it's fucking dumb and it's just how like televangelists get away with that shit that's how they make money is they just have they they make you fear things that aren't real and the fear of going to hell and holding the burden of living a life that's not in god's light over your head, they make so much money off of that, and that's all this guy's doing. And he got proven in a court of law where he's not allowed to lie by law that he's a goddamn liar, and somehow the case progresses. That should have been it. They should have thrown out the prosecution's case right when that happened. But nah, they keep moving along. And then there is more hearsay. There's a there's a kid that's in jail with Jason. And he says that he met Jason. The first day, he asked Jason, Hey, Jason, did you have anything to do with killing those kids? Jason says no. The second day, he's hanging out with Jason. It's just him and Jason. And he says, Hey, Jason, I'm not going to tell anybody. Just tell me. Did you have anything to do with killing those kids? And he's like, Oh, yeah, you know, I did it. And Damien took the kid's testicles and ate him and drank the blood out of his penis. Sucked the balls. <laughs> sucked his balls in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, it like goes on. And then the defense is like... So the best part of the documentary is like when they're like, yeah, you said he sucked his balls and they cut out the Jason and he's like, Woo! <laughs> he's all grossed out. He's like, I did not suck that boy's balls. <laughs> they cut that guy down. You know, that guy got some type of deal. He's a scummy ass kid. And uh, the, the prosecution asked him, like, why did you come forward with this three years later? He's like, well, because I saw – or three months later. He's like, well, because I saw the families on TV and how bad they were hurting. And my heart's just too good to let that go. And no, the kid just got out of jail earlier. Yeah. They gave him a deal. They just let him go because he testified because they wanted to win the case. And once again, that's proven. And then no problem. The trial proceeds. And then they have this knife that they found behind Jason's trailer. So it's a lake behind Jason's trailer, and divers had combed the lake, and they find this Rambo knife. In like 30 or 40 minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, the, the, you know, the defense, like, they pull this Rambo knife out, and the defense is like, okay, what time did you get on the scene? He says, 8 o'clock. He's like, okay. What time did the divers get on the scene? He says 10.30. He said, what time did you stop diving? He says 11. He said, okay, so between 10.30 and 11, they combed this lake and pulled out this Rambo knife. And he's like, yes. He's like, so that's all it took for the town diver to find this crucial evidence. And he's like, yeah, it just happened to be right there. 
And then the Rambo knife, you know, it's got no evidence of blood on it. And they bring in, you know, the defense brings in an expert that says even if it was sitting in that lake for years, it would have had evidence of blood on it. It doesn't go away. Um, and then they have the knife that's in uh, John Byers' work shed or whatever that's got the blood on it, the pocket knife. It's a serrated knife. H- All th- I think HBO gave it over to the... Uh, yeah, HBO. Yeah, the dude from... <laughs> yeah, that's right. The dude from HBO found the knife and gave it to police. And police didn't want to hear it. And so they test the knife for blood. They find blood on the knife, but not on the knife. The dude obviously cleaned the knife, and it was just in, like, the hinges of the knife where you couldn't reach down and clean it. So the police ask buyers about it, and they're like, is this – he's like, no, they never use a knife. It's just been put up the whole time. And then that's a gift. Yeah, it's in a police interview. And then the defense brings that up. They put him on the stand, and they ask him about it. He's like, I never said that. And then he said that he had dressed a deer with it and cut his own hand. Well, him and Christopher have the same type of blood, so it's hard to say whose it was. But the guy had obviously made an effort to clean the blood off of the knife. And uh, all the wounds on the kids were with a serrated knife. That's a serrated knife. It was um, congruent with the type of injuries that they had. At the time. At the time. At the time. Now, I don't think, I mean, we'll get it. Next week, we're going to get into what we think happened and what probably did happen. But I'm going to just go out and say, I don't think that Byers killed those kids. Man. No, he's just a fucking he's just kook. An, an idiot. And he had a yeah. brain tumor at the time, too, man. That's got to make you a dingus. He's a fucking mong, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's all mongoloided for sure. Um, and so, you know, the, all this evidence is just circumstantial. They bring in these kids. They bring in one kid that's like an eight-year-old kid, and they're like, we don't want to photograph it. She had told the uh, prosecution that Damien told her he was going to kill her next and that he had killed the kids. And so they brought her in, and then once they put her under oath, she just answered everything with, I don't know. They're like, did Damien ever say there's anything There's the one that didn't want to be filmed, right? Yeah, there's two that don't want to be filmed. And then the second one that doesn't want to be filmed is a 12-year-old. And she says that she heard Damien say that he killed those three kids and he was going to kill two more before he went to jail. And he already had one of them picked out. And, I mean, these are kids. And it's hearsay. You can't just come in and present that into a court of law as absolute evidence. You know what I'm saying? And and they got away with that, no problem. And they when when the then the uh, that that witness folded underneath the defense. They're like, you know, you're under oath. Uh, did you think that did do you, are you just saying this because you think Damien's weird? And the they're like, yeah, <laughs> like you know. Yeah. So they um they just again progress with that, and then. I mean, we know the way this case is going. Um, the defense brings in a uh, doctor. Because they want to prove, like, how the wounds are, you know, intentionally made this way. Like, the skin was peeled off of the penis, and the uh, genitals were removed in a way that somebody would have had to have known what they were doing. The defense wants to prove the crime scene. Well, it backfires because, I mean, the prosecution, sorry. It backfires because once the defense gets at the doctor, they, they confirm with the doctor that the crime scene that police have laid out is totally bullshit. I mean, these three kids... They were beat, stabbed, and there's no blood at the crime scene. No blood. And we talked about this last week where it could have been done in the water. There's only three ways it could have gone down. One, they could have been killed in the water, which would have gotten rid of a lot of the blood because it would have kept going downstream. Two, um, it would have happened on the banks, but there would be blood everywhere because the average person has got five pints of blood in their body. Or the average kid of that size has got five pints of blood in their body. Um, Thereabout is what the doctor says. 
Or three, the murder happened somewhere else, and then after the kids were all blood out and shit, they carried them there to make set the crime scene up. Which is a sign of somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing. Exactly. They had done it before. And also, uh, Jason and Damien could not carry three eight-year-old kids, hogtied, dead weight, anywhere. And so that was a major concern of police, you know? If the and the the thing that blows my mind is like if these dumb fucking slobber jawed fucking retards would have read into <laughs> you are going hard on the disabled tonight, dude. <laughs> would have read anything. Like here's the thing: you know you're in, you're supposed to know your enemy, and what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to read things about whatever. It's not supposed to be hearsay, right? Specifically, whenever they talk about Anton LaBay, it says, like, you're not to harm a living creature. You're not supposed to sacrifice, especially yeah. children. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with Satanism. No, I mean, it, it just is some sick fuck that tried to get away with a serial killing and did. I mean, it probably is. It, I mean, it probably is a serial killer. Yeah. I mean, we'll frame all that out. I know what I think, and I think the person that did it is a serial killer. Yeah, I mean, for they sure. did it with precision. They had a goal in mind, and they did it the way they wanted to do it. They set the crime scene up. I mean, we see that pattern of serial killers all the time. Um, you know, you are laying out your art. That's your crime scene. You lay the victims how you want them to be positioned. The kids are hogtied. And that's what they do. And so then the only other way it could have happened is if it happened in the water. So they asked the doctor, who is like a skilled surgeon, if he could have done that underwater. And he says no. And he has to. He's on the stand, and he's a doctor. And he's the prosecution's witness, but the defense totally takes that one. Again, it doesn't matter one bit. And then they called Damien to the stand, which was a boner move, man. You shouldn't have done that because they don't put Jason on the stand. The thing is... Is that if you testify, I mean, it's a gamble because you want to show that the person accused doesn't have anything to hide. But you're in this environment where you're already their enemy and the prosecution can ask them whatever they want to. I mean, they can say strike that from the record. But once it goes into a human being's ears, when someone says strike it from the record, you can't unhear it, you know. So. They they grilled Damien, um, and it's all it's on such stupid stuff. Um, they they start asking him about Aleister Crowley. Yeah, and he, I mean we know from the show that Aleister Crowley's whole mo is just to get butt fucked. That's yeah. it. He has got all types of magical spells and crafts and conjurings and seances. The end result of the highest magic in the world is just fucking him in the ass. And so the dude is like framing Aleister Crowley. In this way, he's like, well, Aleister Crowley believes in human sacrifice. And Damien fires back, yeah, but he thinks he's God, too. So I don't know yeah. if you can believe what he well, says. He's a fucking nut. Yeah, he's a fucking nut that just wants to get fucked in the ass. He's not sacrificing humans. He's just chugging cum with his butthole. And the best part is, like, that fucking dude that's, like, the doctor specials guy. Like, he should, he's like... He's like, what is this picture of that Damien drew? And it's like a fucking wicker, like, wicker pentagram with yeah. the star pointing up. up. And then upside down crosses. And he's like... Well, this looks like somebody who's confused, you know, and it's like, oh, but you're an expert and you think these dudes had something to do with that. And you're fucking dumb. You're just trying to get money. That guy just got paid for doing lectures about how he confronted the Satanists. And then, you know, they keep bothering about Aleister Crowley and they've got like he knows he's got the the prosecutor knows he's got him in this trap because he's like, are you a Follister, a a Follister? Are you a follower? Jesus Christ. You're dumb. (laughs) <laughs> Feeban, are you a follower of Aleister Crowley? 
And Damien says, no. And he says, well, you know who he is. He says, yes, but I've never read any of his books. I've read about him, but I haven't come across any of his books. I would have read them, but I haven't had any. And he's like, okay, we'll take a look at this document. And he hands it this paper. That's, again, just some goofy Lisa Frank shit that Damien had done in his jail cell. He had been doing coding, like he had been using like secret codes, and he had written out uh, his son's name, his name, and Alistair Crowley's name. And Jason's. And Jason's name. And so the uh, prosecution is like, well, just uh, put Alistair Crowley in that group, huh? It's like, your son... And, you know, they try to hit him on a timeline. They're like, when did you do this? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, did you do it before jail or after jail? He's like, I'm not sure. Maybe before jail. And they're like, oh, well, your son's name's on it. So it couldn't have been before then. And he's like, I told you, I don't know. You know, they're just do. it's just so scummy. It's so gross to watch. But, you know, he's like, well, obviously you're a disciple of Aleister Crowley. Like, even if he was, that none of those people are well-versed enough in that work to say anything about him because at the end of the day you know that he wasn't a danger Alistair Crowley didn't sacrifice any humans you know he never did anything as far as we know no he didn't do that shit come on dude he just got fucked in the ass stuffed (laughs) he just drank cum through his butthole that's all he fucking did whoa man here butthole has a throat that'd be cool yeah I think we talked about this on the podcast before where we had the theory that butts chug you know what I mean yeah yeah, yeah, exactly so they just fucking suck that cum and just Wow. <laughs> um, My butt almost threw up. <laughs> and, you know, there's no unbiased in this. And this, um, you know, at the end of it, they both get charged with second-degree murder. Absolutely insane. And I hate the way the defense closes because they just let Damien hang out there. You know, the guy first is talking about Damien. He's like, you cannot be accused of a crime because of the way you dress, because of the way you look. The, he, you know, this person is not a Satanist. There's no Satan here. This is satanic panic. This is no, It sounds scary, but there's nothing going on here. It's just kids. It's just kids doing what kids do. And then he's like, focuses in on Jason because he knows, he knows that Damon's going to get fucked. But he wants to save Jason. So he says, you know what's scarier than that is that this man is being accused of this crime simply because of who he's friends with. Now, that's scary. You know, he can't be... He just doubles down so hard on Jason. And again, the problem with the prosecution is they, like, wavered around in a way... I mean, the defense. Man, I can't... The problem with the defense is that they went... You know, they brought up the Bojangles thing. They brought up the people in California. They brought up uh, John Byers. They tried to prove that... The boys had nothing to do with it any way they could. And now a normal mind would follow that path. Yeah. And you would think to yourself, okay, obviously there's too many unanswered questions. There's too many possibilities here for us to say that these kids did it. But these are dumbs. So he, they, he never, when he's given his closing statement, what I would have said is look at all these different possibilities. Yeah. You know th- this, but the thing is, is if you're a fucking dumb shit and you're on the and you're sitting in the jury and you're like, well, that's the devil's work. He probably implanted that those scenarios there so that he could take the eyes off the boys who did it. And we know who did it because these are police officers and they don't lie. You know, it's just fucking yeah, the, it's, yeah it's exactly. Typ- it's typical bullshit. But man. I'm saying that he could have at least told them the reason why. I've said that Byers could have done it. The Bojangles guy could have done it. This guy could have done it. It's because it proves that it wasn't these kids. 
It could have been any of these people, but it couldn't be these kids. There's no evidence. There's nothing that places them at the crime. There's nothing that places them in the area of the crime. There's nothing that links these kids to these kids at all. But here's all this evidence that links these possible things to them that we're choosing to ignore just to put it on these kids. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say it at all. He just tries to say like, oh, you can't send Jason to jail just because of who he's friends with. And then, boom, they send them both to prison, you know, for life. Um, and, you know, the appeals start immediately. And, but it, you know, they spend, we'll, we'll get to what happened. We'll get to the modern day shit in the next podcast. Like I said, I wanted to do it today, but we've, we've already gone on far too far. Uh, but this is serious shit, man. You, you got to understand that there's just so many flaws and impoverished areas. You know, if you think of like a big civilized city, things like this do happen, but they happen a lot to like, you know, uh, poor black people. It, it's just always a way for, I mean, pe- people profit off this shit. Prisons make money off of having populations. Private prisons get money per person they have. You have to fill prisons up. Police officers get bonuses and promotions based upon solving incredible crimes. The f- you just there's so much money and there's so much corruption involved in every small corner of the world. If people find a way to get it, they'll do anything they can to keep it and get more of it. So money corrupts everything in and out. That said, please give us money on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> please uh yeah man uh i i hate this west memphis 3 case i always have uh i'm happy we get to talk about it i hope that if you guys didn't know about it you're learning some new information we're happy to talk about it on any of our social media platforms you can hit us up facebook christopher k-r-i-s-t-o-f-e-r-m pierce buddy lloyd professional pirate media instagram pro pirate media death metal dicks smells like teen chris Lloyd have mercy six six six. Basically, all social media platforms. We got death metal dicks and pro pirate media. Uh, Twitter. Uh, I just I made a YouTube account for us. Just like I'm, I'm probably gonna do some things like show uh, some my record collection and hell yeah, maybe do some record reviews or whatever. You know, just to kind of give you guys some extra shit to look at. Or yeah. Whatever, so and if you skipped over the top of the podcast, that's okay. Just uh, check out patreon.com backslash death metal dicks. See if that's something that you want to align yourself with. If you like the show, you want to uh, support us. We want to support you. The tiers there, I think they're cool as fuck. If you have any ideas for tiers, hit me up, man. I really want to make a community out of our podcast. That's what we're trying to do. If you have any experience with iTunes, hit me up. (laughs) I'm trying to figure some shit out. Um, All right, guys. I think it's been a great show. What we do here at Death Metal Dicks is we take grisly true crimes, and we compare those with our favorite death metal songs this week of course is no exception we have scoured the earth to find a heavy hard-hitting death metal song that's going to go along with the robin hood hills murders and the corruption that the police force portrayed against these kids during the satanic panic and buddy has chosen belfagor chronicles of crime torment upon torment stripped down to the flesh youth is drained virginity trashed Instinct beyond the animal, nights of endless suffering, philosophy of sacrilege, carnal debauch. I think they meant debauchery, but they're German, whatever. Debauch. (laughs) Yes, debauch. 
Suffocates, The Neophyte, Chronicles of Crime, Sacrilege Beyond Torment, Chronicles of Crime, Sacrilege Beyond Heresy, Chronicles of Crime, Torment Upon Torment, Stripped Down to the Flesh, Declarations of Impassioned Vice, Instinct Beyond Animal, Give Way to Blood, Drenched Visions, A Cycle of Vicious Law, Breaking Through All Dimensions, Chronicles of Crime, Sacrilege Beyond the Torment, Chronicles of Crime, Sacrilege Beyond Heresy, Chronicles of Crime, Covenants, Crushed Through Desire, Blood Perversion, Primitive Brutality, Chained Upon a Will of Fate, Blood Perversion, Primitive Brutality, Cruelty Impresses, Anal Torment, Blood Perversion. <laughs> anal Torment. <laughs> Painal. <laughs> Alright guys, I hope you have a very positive week, I suggest... That you use demonology to pick the right demon for what you want to accomplish in your life. If you want to make money, if you want to be successful, if you want to have more friends, if you want to have a family, there's a demon for you. Use demonology to find the one that you would like to align yourself with. Summon them. Believe. Make a sigil. Make a pact. Come on the sigil. Keep the pact in your mind. Burn the come dawn sigil. And you can use the power of chaos magic and demonology to take your beliefs out into the world and impose your will upon everyday life. There's only one interview that I ever want to schedule for this podcast. Okay. Bob Larson. That's yeah, it. old man. <laughs> That's it, dude. Bobby we'll Larson. Just beat him up, dude. No, nah, man, he's old as hell. You don't want to beat up an old guy. Yes, I do. <laughs> he's like 82. That'd be hilarious. We'd be like, this is for Glenn, brother. <laughs> oh, man. I ain't beat nobody imagine, up. Yeah, no, nah, Glenn Benz is a fucking idiot. But imagine if he fucking finally got beat up for Glenn Benz. That <laughs> That'd be so be fucking incredible. hilarious. Incredible. <laughs> what a long-running gag. All right, guys. Uh, thank you. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next Tuesday, and this will be up on Thursday. Good night. Happy birthday. Satan reigns.